I mean, I, I just know like I could speak for like my business in general uh, is a lot more people are like they're choosing my company over other companies because they want something that's quality. They want something that's sustainably made. They want to know where it comes from. They want to know who makes it. Um, and it's just like by making like one decision as far as like what you do with your dining table or whatever can really kind of have a pretty big ripple effect. And like one of our mottos is like, like one of our main goals is to create things that are not going to end up in a, you know, like junk pile somewhere. Mm. Not going to end up in a landfill because it's like made with intention. And I think everything maybe should be done with a little bit more intention. We're here. We're doing the movement matters, exploring why movement matters, understanding that movement, this is the matters of movement and movement. Yeah. Movements matter. Did any of that make sense? I hope so. And if it didn't, you'll listen to the episode and maybe it'll help because there's a lot of movement happening and we... So this episode is with my brother-in-law, which is a lot of fun. Least of all because he's a sponsor of the of the show. He's actually the original sponsor. He's the one that inspired me to realize sponsors were even possible and that we were at the place where we could have sponsors. So thank you, Paul. Despite all of your flaws, this is really sweet of you to have joined me here and uh, to join us and to have also encouraged the whole sponsor thing to happen. Um I really hate moving your dock, but this is very, I can't deny that you deserve credit. We have to give credit where credit's due. And I, I hope when it gets warmer that I'm, I'm not required to move your damn dock again. But I doubt that'll be the case. <clears throat> Don't be surprised if one day it just floats down the river. Kidding. Speaking of building things, that's the that's the foundation of Paul's bio, which we'll get to, because um, he is the he is Mister Philadelphia Table Company, along with his team, of course. But he started Philadelphia Table Company, and if you haven't seen any of their work, look it up. And there's plenty I've joked about in episodes as far as the sponsorship. Uh, aspect goes but regard you know jokes aside it's just amazing i sit at my dining room table every day and being there because it is one of their um custom made and and truly made with care products it's just so sweet to be at it they make obviously dining room tables they make coffee tables uh they've made for us various kinds of cabinetry um Plenty of things you can hang, of course. They're extremely creative. Tables just in the name of the business, and that just scratches the surface of what they can do. I mean, if you really even wanted, they could probably make you a kick-ass spoon. And you might as well ask. Let's find out. Ask them for a spoon. I bet they can do it. Obviously a wooden one. It'd be kind of silly otherwise. 
Let's find out. Especially as I look at these wooden coasters here on the table, they might as well be Philadelphia Table Company coasters. <sighs> but I think the tables are kind of where the money's at. So, you know, look up a table and get yourself a table. Your home, office, waiting room, entranceway, foyer, even your backyard if you want to build something for outside. It'll be better because of it. All right. Took a lot for me to say all of that. I hope it was okay. <clears throat> we have other sponsors. You'll hear about them as well. Um, last episode, I hinted at something about unity because community is a key theme of everything because we build on we're building this whole narrative around these this alliteration of the seas, the context always being the foundational sea. <laughs> Paul and I get into a lot of context. I think it's fair to say that there's a question that he and I are both exploring about unity in this episode. And it, there are references to current events. Um, I guess I want to acknowledge that this episode, we recorded it before Putin invaded the Ukraine. And a lot has happened since then. I'm recording on March 2nd. So a lot has happened since he and I uh, got together, Paul and I got together, <clears throat> and I'm not going to add anything more to that except to say I know a handful of people from the Ukraine, and you probably do as well. I went to college with one, one of my, uh, actually like one of my closest college friends is from the Ukraine, and I have a client friend, and we've had many, many good conversations so you will see, I think specifically in this episode and coming episodes, because it is relevant, you will see references to how to donate, how to support, and I've catered that, or I've, I've curated that kind of information from people who are actually from the Ukraine, have family in the Ukraine, so it's not random. It's coming from actual people who know people in the Ukraine. We're from there. It's not random. <laughs> I just wanted to say that. Uh, and there are a lot of important inf you know, points that can be made about everything going on right now, but it's only March 2nd. By the time you hear this, something new may have come up, so I'm not going to say anything just yet. I probably will be in social media anyway. Um, needless to say, anything that I would be saying is also primarily coming from having discussed a lot of this with people again, who have family in the Ukraine or are from the Ukraine, which makes them relatively competent and uh, capable of giving a really good point of view here. <clears throat> Certainly better than just me talking by myself. And with that, <laughs> a little bit more about Paul. So, Paul, Philadelphia Table Company, the face of the brand. Of course, he has built and really created a successful business in Philadelphia Table Company, but he's also built, grown, and is the owner of a couple others. Um, look up and dream and build. Um, generally, he's excited and inspired by other business owners, especially the owners of uh, Patagonia, I will add. He's excited about creating businesses and helping others 
figure out how to work for themselves and build businesses of their own. And I've known Paul for quite some time, and I can tell you that that is deeply rooted in him, that that passion. As <laughs> he wrote this in his bio, as he is a sponsor of Movement Matters, um, Philadelphia, he and Philadelphia Table Company, specifically because they sponsor Movement Matters, of course, it's pretty much all because of sponsoring Movement Matters, has steadily grown from very humble beginnings in 2014 to now having a team of five competent carpenters and craftsmen, craftspeople, who serve clients in the Northeast in general, uh, the greater Philadelphia area, of course, and also across the country. So they have a big reach. Uh, they care about local, but they are they have a big reach. They're an avid supporter. PTC is an avid supporter of environmental awareness and conservation and is specifically a member of the 1% for the Planet movement. In addition to building fantastic tables and other fine wood crafts, wood-based crafts, Paul specifically, enjoys fitness and outdoor activities such as surfing, skiing, biking, hiking, fishing, and more. And I will say he and I, I think it's, uh, yeah, the end of April, have another big bike, hike, camp trip coming up. Uh, and with that, he is also, believe it or not, a big fan of, I'm just making this up, donuts. <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, he kind of is. But it's also a great way to bring up one of our sponsors, which is Duck Donuts. So thank you to Mildred and Duck Donuts, Bucks County. Soon to be, hopefully, Duck Donuts, Doylestown. And hey, other food-related details, because Paul loves food. Who doesn't, hopefully? Uh, the service events, you know them, Nick and Steve, Koru members. Actually, all of these people are Koru members, funny enough. Uh, that was not on purpose. <laughs> they are, of course, they provide wonderful food. They're specifically going to be bringing their um, talents here to Koru for a cooking class on March 25th. So keep that on your calendar as well. And they, you know, if that wasn't clear, are sponsors for the show as well. You've all heard me say enough about Native. Don't be greedy, Jay. Um, the Rodale Institute, you're going to be hearing more about them specifically as we get closer to Earth Day. There's a couple things coming up with regard to Earth Day that are going to get a lot of attention. And my dear friend and sponsor, Anthony Ortiz at Tony Ortiz Art, will be returning to the cold, excuse me, the <laughs> Northeast from Key West soon. And maybe you'll finally get to hear his lovely voice on the show. Who the heck knows? And I know he's not listening to this because he's just a podcast supporter, not a podcast listener. But if you feel like poking him to listen, or excuse me, to join us, uh, I'm sure that'd be fun. Maybe I can just get him for a bonus. I think that's a good idea. In fact, that's what I'm going to do. It'll just be 20 minutes of stupidity with Tony. But for now, you have however many minutes of pretty focused exploration with Paul Menzel, the face of Philadelphia Table Company and Movement Matters podcast sponsor. All right. Enjoy. Thank you. Get off your damn phone. 
I was just catching up on my peeps. You texting me? Um, <clears throat> this is stupid text from Tony on that note. Um, what is this about being a middle though? I actually don't know. You don't know? I don't think so. Well, you were going to make a very specific reference, I think. Yeah, it's from um, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, well, yeah, I know. This most recent season, they were talking about um, how Larry is a middle, meaning he guides the conversations. Oh, I went to age, which uh, you're the uh, uh, not the middle, the you're oldest. the oldest. Like, right, right, right. No, I middle, was thinking siblings. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The middle middle the as table. in, I feel yeah. like I'm relatively good at guiding a conversation and including people in conversations. Yeah, you're As opposed good. to isolating yeah. people. Yeah, you're pretty good. Yeah. I try to be. It depends who's around. That's though. why you're in charge today. That's why you have the big boy, the big mind. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm yeah. a middle. <laughs> I can't, I can middle. It's a lot of pressure, but I, I could, I could do it if I need to. But is it okay to be proud of that? Like, is it, does it make you proud? Does I mean, not, not, in a, I mean, maybe yeah. Okay. a little bit. I mean, it's like kind of a good thing because I feel like. It seems like you're proud of it. Well, I mean, this is why I guess you could be proud of it. Okay. If you were to feel proud and I'm not saying I why. am or not. Tell me why. Yeah. But it's because um, I feel like you can be aware of how other people are. You, it's sort of like being empathetic in a way of understanding, hey, this conversation is not including person A. Let's figure out a way to pivot the conversation so person A can be involved Got as it. well. Why then at all of our family dinners does everything go to shit, Paul? It's a round table, so it's you're because sort it's, of in the middle. Because it's you're a, always uh, in the middle, technically. So why does it always go to shit? I think it's because we have a lot of dominant. Maybe we have too many, <laughs> too many middles. Got it. Between your <laughs> between your family and my family, I think maybe it's a family of middles, and maybe that's not where it should go. We also have. I'm curious what you think. Uh, my sense is that I tend to back off quite. Yeah, a bit. You, you're not. Oh, middle. okay. Yeah. Well. Depends on the group. Well, but yeah. yeah, probably not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't I don't think I'm a middle. Yeah. yeah. I'm more just sit back and wait when that's setting. Yeah. Just like pounce, wait for it. <clears throat> I'm gonna wait to strike. Right. Yeah. But there's like opposite there's like depends on what we're doing. There's though. the opposite spectrum though. There's like conversation dominators too. Yeah. Who will just a, monopolize that. A couple of those. I got a couple of them too. Yeah, I think we know some. Yeah. Uh, Which makes it difficult to to middle in that way. Because you kind of can't really guide the conversation. Plus, it's, it's being monopolized. Maybe it's a fundamentally round table issue. I think possibly, yeah. Could be. Because everyone has thinks they have an equal voice. Yeah. But yeah. really. It's an inherent misconception of the, the round table. Yeah. So were you all the way caught up? I didn't realize you were watching. I was watching this this season. So I, 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 watched, I watched the first like handful. Maybe the first, what, five maybe? Got it. The first three. And then I stopped for a while. <laughs> And then I just got back into it. We have one. T- we have one TV in our house, so I need to reserve the time from sh- from Shay. One TV, but lots of phones and laptops, and yeah, woe, woe yeah, is yeah, you. Yeah. yeah, but we watch. No, but I'm saying like we'll watch TV together if we're going to watch TV. Like uh-huh. we try not to not watch that much. So most of the time, it's like has to be something we both mutually agree on. And Shay doesn't really like curb your enthusiasm. I don't think. <laughs> Yeah. So usually she has to be doing some other activity for me to like f- squeeze in a half hour to watch an episode. She's a swell gal, but come on. Yeah. It I would mean, do her some good to open up to Larry. Yeah. You guys should back off from all the, despite how the quality the of reality it, TV? the Ozarks and the- Oh, Ozarks great. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like back off reality TV. I didn't know we do some of that. Yeah, we do some of that. Like what? 
like Below Deck. Great show. <clears throat> yeah, I've heard. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think you guys watch a lot of the like Ozarky dark, dark stuff. Yeah, not we like inherently funny. We like dark stuff. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, I was going to ask why. I'm not sure because life is suffering. Maybe yeah. I don't know why we like the dark stuff, but we do. No, you don't want to bullshit. Yeah, yeah. You want to cut to the chase. You don't want to skip around. Yeah, I don't Big. know. I don't know. I really don't know why. Because we always are like sort of attracted to it. To like, but privately and and clearly, Shaylin doesn't respect this. You are interested more in stupid, funny stuff, <laughs> like stoner humor, kind of stuff. Oh, this is way better. Curb is way better than. Stoner. Well, it's not. Yeah, but I also like just like stupid humor too. Yeah, fair enough. Shay probably does. Which too. is sometimes just really light. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, <clears throat> believe it or not, there, I think it, the time has passed, so I'm not going to do it, but, um, yeah, I'm not going to make a stupid joke about your political career, even though that would have been fun <laughs> for me. Are you, are you afraid of going too mainstream, Paul? In reference to that thing you showed me yesterday. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I know what you're talking about. Oh, uh, no, I'll go mainstream. What Trevor said. Oh, oh, Trevor Noah. Yeah. I mean. We don't want to go too mainstream. No, I, I we think want to stay French. No, we could. We, I mean, we could try to go main, mainstream. <laughs> I feel like I try to live my life mainstream. So, like you know, having a business, you kind of you do, yeah, have to sort of be semi mainstream. Otherwise, you're not going to make any money. That's a big part of it. Yeah. Well, and that's sort of what drives a lot of the mainstream stuff. I mean, whether it's music or all that stuff. Like if you're if you're an, uh, if you create quote unquote art. Well, if you create anything, I mean, I think artist and art is like a, a word that people are like kind of too afraid to say that they are. Cause they're like, Oh, well I don't draw. I'm not an artist, but I think in reality, anybody who's creating anything at any point is an artist. I mean, you could be a marketer, you could be a business person, you could be, I don't know, realtor, gym owner, podcaster. I mean, we're all creating all the time. So I think we're all artists. So I think it's just a matter of like, people think that only some people get deserve that label, I guess. I agree wholeheartedly. I actually find it really strange that people believe and would even <clears throat> suggest and even like psychologists suggest this. I've heard like there are creative people. It's like what a strange idea. What a I mean, dangerous well, and debilitating idea. Well, it is. And I think it pigeonholes a lot of people. Least of all to, offensive, but just really dangerous. Yeah. And I think it pigeonholes a lot of people to believe that like, they're not creative because they can't like draw a yeah. picture of a person, but that's like the least, like that's just like one skill set. And maybe it goes back to the fact that like when you're in school, it's considered art class and what you're doing in art class is like painting and claying and doing all that sort of stuff. But like, you don't need to be a musician or like a painter or a sculptor or woodworker or anything to be considered an artist. Interior in my designer. Opinion. Yeah. No, I think you're totally right. <clears throat> um, we're why. creating stuff all the time. I mean, if you're ever, if you're any person who's like making their own decisions, which is almost everybody, you're essentially creating something out of nothing. Right. So what are the things you've created today? You've created a lot already today. Uh, created a good sweat working out. Was, hey, exactly. Was nice. There's an example. Even well, that's creative, right? Yeah. But even just like coming in and then like writing my own workout was creative and felt mm -hmm. good to 
Yeah. To think about that. Yeah, I don't get why people, and again, professionals, even like psychologists, would suggest that there is there is a type of person who is creative. It's such a strange idea that I very, very much do not embrace. There are different ways to be creative, and maybe some people more conventionally come across as unique, so to speak, or yeah. not, or like fringy, if you will, back to that joke. Um, but yes, the essence of being alive is being creative. It's just a question of whether it's on purpose or you're aware of it, I would say. Yeah. So to bring it back to like the whole mainstream thing is it's like, (laughs) no, but just to bring it back to it and bring it kind of full circle and have closure. I like closure. You like closure? You Uh, like creating closure? Yeah. That's good. Is the fact that like, if you want to, if you are a creator, which I think is all of us, and we unfortunately live in a society, I'm not sure if it's just a US thing or not, where like mainstream is the way to kind of survive in a way. Right. Okay. So go on. Seems like there's another part to that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like, like, I don't know, like music artists or whatever, like you have to sell to more people to sort of exist or whatever. Hmm. Right. Well, that's to your point about making money. Yeah. Which sucks that that's like what it comes to, <clears throat> but we all know, at least in America, that's the, the thing, which is kind of a bummer, but. Seems pretty global, at least from what I can tell. It's mostly the case. Well, I think I think in America in general, though, you have like so much more reason to make money in a way, like where it's like like you're compelled to, to do so. More? No, like like you actually just have like needs to like less things are provided like governmentally, um, in order to like even just like live and afford to live or have health insurance or mm-hmm. be able to afford schools or being able to get around. I mean, like there's public transportation is kind of crap and stuff. It's like, you just like in America, you have no choice. Mm. Really? I guess if you, unless you decide to somehow live off the grid or something. Yeah. Well, that's tempting, right? Yeah. But like, you need to save for retirement. Like there's all these things you that still like have to pay taxes unless you're yeah. avoiding some sort of, even that level of, so yeah. to speak, mainstream or convention. Um, yeah, like Barack Obama, actually, I, I heard an interesting thing with him talking about the idea of, um, if you could provide people some sort of like basic, yeah, just moved closer. if you could provide people like some sort of like basic needs, such as like healthcare and like maybe some sort of like better retirement offers or like paid sick leave or family leave and stuff, people can then focus, like not be so heavily focused on like having to earn money or like settle for the job that they don't want to do and all that sort of stuff. I think it could create a better society in general. I'm happy to unpack this further, but I'm worried about your um, customer base and clientele. Are are you okay if they think you're a socialist ultimately at the end of the day? Is this okay if we... (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah. I didn't know which parts you wouldn't want them to know about. You. Well, I mean, so I think it comes down to then the fact that it's like, my big thing is like things that are like valuable and like of quality and like going sort of back to the roots of like shopping local and like buying your meat from like a butcher. I know that that's not like totally well, like sustainable because everything is like all about scale. Like everyone wants like the Amazon experience or every company needs to be bigger and better and like serve more and more people. 
but like that has such a toll on our environment, on our economy, mm-hmm. on so many things. Yeah, and we'll get to that other fun video you sent the uh, the, the worker. Yeah, I, I can't even tell if it was real. But before, I'll, I want to lay out a potential interesting question to explore and come back to. See if I can phrase this clearly. Are you okay, by the way, with the window open? Yeah, I know you, you run hot. So. It's all good. Yeah, I do. <laughs> so it's all um, good. Plus, it's so nice today, relatively speaking. So <clears throat> something you said there you know, triggered this question, which I sit with a lot. To, I see an implicit sort of belief that if we're not forced to act, we won't, which is to say... In other words, where human nature is to be lazy or to not, act, quite frankly, be creative, which is an interesting through line that maybe will guide this whole conversation unintentionally, as we both know. So do you, th- do you see that as a sort of belief that's built into the fabric of our culture that we have to be compelled and forced to act as opposed to maybe we, w- we just would be active and creative if we simply shifted our um, priorities? I mean, like, yes and no. I mean, I I think you could take this into like, I think like plastic is like a great example of this. Like the use of single use plastics and things where it's like people would potentially choose to not use plastic items, but like a single person recycling, me recycling or you recycling is not going to change the fact that there's massive corporations pumping out Tons and tons of no, tons of plastic. No, re- let me rephrase it because that's good. That's good, but it'll. Make, I think I can make more sense of it. I don't believe we are implicitly lazy animals. Period. Like I don't actually believe our nature is to be lazy or chaotic, or that the inertia, so to speak, of just doing nothing is is our foundation. I don't believe that at all. But it seems like our culture reinforces that kind of paradigm i mean i think i don't know it's hard to speak because i know for me i'm definitely not that i'm going to be the opposite of (laughs) of like sitting and and kind of doing nothing but i do think in general people are and i guess it then goes back to like the whole economy thing of like working hard like people i think in general want to work hard they generally yeah they generally people generally feel better doing it um, and I don't know if there's like some, I like, think people generally want to be creative to that yeah, through line. Yeah. And I think what you're speaking to is that there are, um, unintended cultural and, uh, policy roadblocks and, and almost, but I'm saying it's like built into the psyche of our culture almost unintentionally, I believe, but really deeply it's built into the psyche that we're gonna, if we're not careful, we're all gonna, <laughs> yeah become wally-esque if you will yeah but but uh, time at times though i feel like our culture is also pushing the opposite way like it's like having us overexert things like working more than 40 hours a week yeah, but why really pushing hard for you know the money or for the economy or whatever i feel like it's more pushing that way as opposed to like emphasizing the fact that we do need to re- relax at times. And we do need to take time off. I know me personally, it's like hard for me to sort of sit down and say like, oh, wow, I actually do need to rest a little bit. Right. But I, I'm trying to highlight what I th- perceive as like 
the foundation of all of it, and that's why I asked why, is that there's this like an anxiety that like if you're not careful, it's all gonna fall apart. If we're not careful, like we either have to rest more or work more. And I'm saying the oh. entire paradigm is fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of <laughs> the course. Compulsive nature of it is implicit, whether you're now needing to rest, the mechanism of now resting because I've been working too hard. It's crazy to me, all of it inherently, because there's it's built upon this concept that if we don't control ourselves and micromanage everything, we're gonna be a mess. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's just like, you don't drink enough water, like this will happen. You drink too exactly. much water, this will happen. So I, I do think that there's a little bit of pressure to do, to it, it creates like a general anxiety. I think to, to do that. Yes. As opposed to saying like, I know which like your thing is to just basically live and just be, but I, uh, that also comes down to, I think people being well, self, self-aware of their own needs. Uh, I think that takes a lot for people to really reflect on what they need personally and like how they're a lot of practice. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't really know how their body feels. Right. No, like I know, like, because I'm into exercising and like eating right and all that stuff, I like know when the most subtle things are like off, like I'll just like feel different and I'll be like, okay, wow, something I did yesterday or something I just did or ate or whatever, or, you know, is not putting, making me feel right. But I think a lot of people are so used to feeling like shit that they're just like, well, I'm just going to feel like shit always, as opposed to like knowing like you kind of can like, turn your body into a Ferrari or like, and your mind into a Ferrari and like really know, Hey, if I do that, like if I drink a ton the night before, I'm not gonna be able to focus or think the next day, which, which actually has been happening to me a little bit more. Like I, we don't, I barely drink now. And then, um, I play darts on Tuesday nights and I'll have maybe two beers, which was like, used to be nothing to me. And now like Wednesdays, it's just like, you're sluggish. You can't think. It's not that I like feel fat or something. It's just like my brain's not like operating at, you know, premium level. So I think it's just being aware of your own body, which takes a lot of work though. I mean, you need to really understand it. Yes. Yeah. And you know, like I've said, this wasn't, none of this content is planned. We're just jibber jabbering because we've done it before and it's we know it'll happen but I, I think what you just referenced was something that I said back at the sunroom like when you and dad and Shaylin and I were talking and specifically talking about um, movement in general but I, for, I forget who asked what I think my dad asked something which he, he then asked again the other night I don't know if similar. I know do you remember what the question was yeah it had to do with like cardio or something like something to do with whether your heart's going to be in good condition if you oh if you don't do cardio if or, you don't i think so yeah but let's pretend it was that because that's a good enough example and i think you were just echoing something from that conversation which i was pointing to the inherent possibility which yeah i i think it's probably true i'm not saying it's definitely but it seems probably true that Mostly, there's a compulsive tendency in our culture. And that's true (laughs) whether you're now resting or now doing or now some combination of this, that, and the other thing. And 
I, again, this wasn't planned. Something you said about um, what if there were things like healthcare that were provided or just generally speaking in our culture, it's harder than it probably needs to be for certain very specific, tangible, understandable reasons. I'm pointing to that there's a almost deeper uh, paradigmatic futility or, or there's a deeper paradigmatic issue that makes it almost futile for us to evolve, try to evolve because we're not addressing this inherent sort of compulsive nature. And built into our very concept of human nature is an actual belief that we better be compulsive or else. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely is. But I think we need to like, for the record state that like, you know, we acknowledge what our privilege is in this situation, right? Like I'm not worried about that. all of our, yes. no, but we're I'm, having conversations. Yeah, no, no. But I'm saying like, truthfully though, like, yeah, it's great to do all this stuff, but like we have like the ability to do that as well. I think we have the ability to think. We're like, if you're, if you're so focused on like trying to afford the rent, if you're so focused on like all of these other things, I could understand how yourself and your body could become like the least of your concern. Of course. And I'm actually because you don't have to agree with me on this, but I find these kinds of disclaimers to some extent unnecessary, although I get the sensitivity, of course, and you've listened to other episodes. Of course, I'm not ignorant to the context you're pointing out and sensitive, but I'm thinking about money on a regular basis. I don't of know course. what next year is going to look like. On a, and I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. I know what works right now, but it's not permanent. <clears throat> yeah. I, I'm not a, cut off from the need to monitor spending and paying bills, of course. Yeah. I don't think that it's really all that helpful to some extent to always point out um, that we're being, you know, there's a sensitivity and an empathy, which I connect with, of course, I'm not going to deny that. But I'm actually also wanting to specifically highlight that the ability to see these questions does not have to be hard. It doesn't have to require some inordinate, like, um, <laughs> uh, laid out educational model that like takes years to mm-hmm. perhaps ingrain. It, it is important to have security and you need quite a few of your, you know, many of your needs better be met for that to be possible. But I'm actually very interested in trying to make it seem easier to understand so that it doesn't have to be this like huge thing exactly yeah Yeah. and and well no i don't think i don't think it does um and i think it it goes back to like what you were saying where it's like i know you you better do cardio or else or you like (laughs) better drink water or else and i think a lot of that is because we've been and this then opens up other another conversation we've had a lot where it's like People in general like structure and they like rules and they like being told necessarily what to do. It's harder, I think, to come outside of your box and think and like think about stuff and be like, oh, well, should I be doing this? I mean, first of all, should I think is a, is a stupid word. Anyways, we, sh- we should never should be doing anything, you know. We should. <laughs> <laughs> but you should see is there, it, do you, I, 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 I see what I'm doing, but. I think I just that think ha- that happens all the time with I, that word in particular. Well, I, I feel like that word in particular. So, yeah, so many people feel the need to be like, you know, well, I should be doing this. 
I should be doing that. That's um, that's yeah. the compulsion I'm yeah. talking about. And yeah. you're pointing out that there's an there's a there's a and we catch ourselves doing it all the time. I always catch myself like doing that. Like I should be drinking more water. I should be doing more cardio. I should be uh, meditating more. I should be doing all this. Or like, should I go to this event with friends? I should be going to this event kind of deal. Right. I think what you're getting at is something we've talked a lot about, which is the context component, like we just did with Joe as well. Because there is a context where you should blank. There is a very clear yeah. context where you should blank or there is something clearly either pathological or psych- <laughs> um, psychotic about you. Like take being a parent, for example, you should take care of your kid, Yeah. right? And you should take care of your wife to some extent, depending yeah. on the context. So there are, I think there is room for should. I think what you're getting at, and a lot of people get at is, you know, the phrase don't should me. Uh, oh, yeah. You, who are you to... Who who are you to be an authority to me and maybe even to yourself? I think it actually gets to that issue with the compulsive nature of of yeah. many of our, you know, even language, of course. It gets to that compulsive issue that I'm speaking to. But I also see the room for should. Just like there's room for everything. Yeah, of course, yeah. Depends on the context. It all there's, depends on the context. <clears throat> it, it's an annoying point, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing, the thing that's, that's annoying about it depends on the context is that it actually like takes like some work. It takes focus. And, and it takes thought yes. and it takes focus and it takes energy. And I think, I feel like a lot of people, I mean, myself included sometimes are just like, fuck this. I, <laughs> I'm tired. I don't want to have to think about this anymore. Well, it's like what Joe said. Don't, we don't have to react. We don't have Literally, to. Yeah. You don't yeah. have to react. And like what I was saying with Joe too is like, I think a lot more people need to just listen mm-hmm. and not talk. And I'm definitely guilty of it. I, I love to talk. I love to hear myself talk, but it's definitely a time. I feel like it's, it's always a time, but especially now is a great time for people to just listen to what other people's needs are, what, themselves and just let's just have like let's play the silent game throughout the whole world for like 24 hours i'm curious to see what would happen this has come up a lot recently people almost having this nostalgia for and of course this is where you better be sensitive because it really quite frankly shouldn't be just nostalgic for many reasons but the nostalgia of like those first couple of weeks of the pandemic, so to speak, like it was quieter to some extent. We thought things were potentially going to quiet down. Like this could be some mm-hmm. great shift and people were literally even outdoors, funny enough, more, even just because of they were, you know, wanting to go walk more. And mm-hmm. especially with, I remember there were things, people were saying things about pollution and all of this and whether it was true or not, it certainly seemed like a possibility. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, it, it's definitely reframed. I mean, those just those initial initial two weeks has definitely reframed the way things are starting to work now. I mean, there's like massive people quitting, massive amounts of people quitting jobs they don't like, mm-hmm. um, pursuing things and doing things that they've always wanted to do. Um, like the video I sent you with the guy at the docks. And that um, is, do we know if that was real or is that? I think it was like like a likely a joke. 
Yeah. But um, he seemed sincere, but I kept waiting for a joke to. Be like, oh. I mean, it was like kind of a joke, but yeah. I mean, it's just basically to the point where it's like the thing that that sucks is people need to be doing those kinds of jobs too, sort of unloading the. Uh, um, well, potentially. I mean, this that goes to a way bigger yeah. debate for me because I'm like, I don't know. Right, the whole the idea, Patagonia the whole idea, Amazon. Well, like, yeah, I mean, the whole idea of shipping something across the world on a tanker just does not seem sustainable to me. And it's, and I, I mean, I get it. It's, it's cheaper to get stuff made there. Um, but, and I'm not like everything needs to be made in America. Like we're a world economy for sure. Um, and I think we should be trading with the world as in information. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Well, you've said it, come back to that specifically, especially because of your business and your passion for sustainability, so to speak. And, um, I got to introduce you to Jeff, whether he comes on the bike ride or not. Hold that. We'll come back to that too. The, I mean, give some context for this thought here, because it's relevant to what you've said a couple of times about needing to listen, which I agree with, and I also know that's I know why that's hard for a lot of people. I'm pretty confident I know why that's hard in mm-hmm. general. And so you you then you, we can see that that's that's probably valuable, but we can imagine why that's hard, and specifically say, let's look at something like this inherently, seemingly um, destructive loop of. The, the materialism that compels something like you just described and wanting to stop that and, ha- and getting really riled up about how that is inherently destructive on many levels. Prob- uh, we can see that. And of course, there's the flip side of, well, yeah, but sometimes people need whatever they need probably pretty often. So there's a, two sides to it for sure. But seeing the one side, you can imagine why some people wouldn't just want to shut up. They would want to fight it. So... There's no question in my as I see it that people are going to need to express that and figure out how to handle that um that tension and that kind of uh desire to to change something around them to say the least. What I perceive though is that no matter what's going on, what seems to be consistently relevant right now and gets to your point about needing to listen is there is no way we're going to address effectively, as I see it, and I'm curious if you agree or disagree, it doesn't matter. Good either way. <laughs> no way we're going to effectively address these issues if we don't come back to why we're, or to just managing what's going on for ourselves, which is to say, very specifically, I don't think looking outward to fix something around you to a certain scale, on a certain scale, at this point, unless you have all of the um, tools available to you to change it like that, is even really that worthwhile, tragically somewhat, because there's something deeper going on person to person within all of us that is largely compelling those things in the first place. 
this is like a verbose way of saying that we need to focus on what's right in front of us, essentially, as much as possible, I believe. Not only, and not ignoring the, the oil spills, of course, but for most of us who are not going to be involved in cleaning up the oil spills, who are not making the decisions about these uh, <laughs> tanker or these ships that are um, bringing everything from coast to coast, the, the potential is greater if we focus on what's right in front of us. There's a yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that comes down to um, there's so much there right in front of us to be focusing on. Well, I, I, that comes down to some some other idea I've recently been thinking about, where it's like, if you want to like win, say a basketball game, you don't focus on the score. What you're focusing on is shooting baskets and getting it in the net. So if you keep getting it in the net, the score is going to change, right? But just by staring at the score, being like, we need to have a hundred points, like that's not what it's about. So by saying like, like it, it comes down to like fixing the root cause and like the root issue of things, like yeah. being concerned about an oil spill. Okay, fine. We could clean up an oil spill. Like it's going back to like what it all boils down to in the end. Like you said, is like what's in front of you and what can we change that's going to then cause sort of like a butterfly effect almost. Right. Cause there's some way that we're, elsewhere we're, it's personal decision, uh, but yeah. it, there is, well, diff- we're connected to the root of it. Yeah, everybody's connected to the well root because because we're the sort of the end thing. Like we're like the end product in almost all of this. We're the ones that are here doing everything. Exactly. So yeah, so I think it is really focusing. That's on that. That's the hard part. I, that's why I want to. Well, of course, it's it's hard. On... That's the problem. Is it's like there's so much that's like so hard and so <laughs> it, it 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 it's like exhausting. But in reality, it's like. But it's know. also possible. It's also feasible. Yeah, for sure. That's, I mean, it, it def- definitely takes some sort of like fundamental change for people, or maybe it's like, you know, a little fire that starts somewhere and slowly spreads. And maybe COVID helped jumpstart that a little bit. Um, probably. I would think. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I just know like I could speak for like my business in general. Uh, is a lot more people are like they're choosing my company over other companies because they want something that's quality. They want something that's sustainably made. They want to know where it comes from. They want to know who makes it. Um, And it's just like by making like one decision as far as like what you do with your dining table or whatever can really kind of have a pretty big ripple effect. And like one of our mottos is like, like one of our main goals is to create things that are not going to end up in a, you know, like junk pile somewhere. Mm. Not going to end up in a landfill because it's like made with intention. And I think that's kind of what stuff should be doing. Everything maybe should be done with a little bit more intention. (laughs) Yeah. The power of intention is definitely. But again, again, it all comes down to like, it takes work. It's yeah. It's effort and you need to be able to do the work, you know, on yourself and like think about it and figure all this stuff out. So, well, and with each other though. That's yeah. I guess in a sense one of the unspoken details here is um you don't have to work alone. In fact, it's better probably if you don't. To some extent, you need to work on it. Yeah, own. but then then what happens is like Mark 
the marketing people not to not to bash any marketers <laughs> will then be like, okay, cool. So we all know that we need to all work together. So let's just do a whole big marketing campaign to push the new Tide product that's doing better for the world, right? And then it's not again. It then just <laughs> ends back up in a in a feedback loop. You know, like there's. Well, be, you mean because that's a arguably pretty destructive product, and well, I mean, just saying because then then you have like then you have to deal with the plastics and who knows where it's made and all that stuff. I don't know. I can't speak for Todd. I don't really know, <laughs> but I mean, you have all like you have a, per- a particular vendetta with Tide and yeah. Dan- uh, well, then it comes back to the then this all comes back full circle to the main idea of mainstream. Maybe yeah, go on. Because as you're pushing things towards the mainstream, you're you're producing way more things that need to be produced almost okay so what i heard you and say there is and, that you become there's yeah. this machine that ends up consuming and then what happens the is we attention if you're yeah. not careful and then we end up all settling for this one thing got it that makes say they make widget a this is fundamentally why i refuse to say that this what we offer is part of the wellness industry yeah I because will, it's not. I refuse to say that that's what this is, and it's not. We're so used to stuff coming off an assembly line mm-hmm. to being like, "Hey, we made a, a million widget A's, exactly. and w- widget A doesn't really make sense for you, but it's all that's out there because we've made a million of them, and they're fifty cents. So go buy your widget A and fill your house with widget A, and everything's going to be great because the marketers tell us everything's going to be great. Instead of saying like, "Hey, does this actually make sense for us?" And the corporation going, hey, should we really make a million of these things? This doesn't necessarily make sense for everybody. And then it comes back down to like, boils back down to like doing things that are like local, intentionally made, like for you. I'm not saying it needs to be like hyper local because everyone needs to make a living and needs to live. I mean, if. But this is the inherent problem that you're pointing to again is scale because what happens in that scenario is what happens you end up not just perhaps and often unintentionally so much of this is unintentional of course so that's why you point to intention as a key detail there is a stifling if not negating of creativity and specifically the need for newness and that's the inherent tension that i don't think on the scale of a global species but even on the scale of within yourself not you but in general we know how to navigate and and in a sense master and allow which is to say of course you need structure on every scale but you also need to allow for newness on every scale and it's the thing that i find so strange is but also it clearly matters is that it's so hard seemingly for us to I use this word a lot, as I know you and Shayon have made fun of me before. Fundamentally, Im- see the need for both. Mm-hmm. Like always, over and over and over. There's a need for both. There's a need for both. There's a need for both. And what you were just describing is a negation of newness, or is an unintentional <laughs> ending to newness, basically, and, and a certain kind of creativity. Yet, of course, there is value in the mechanization of of providing something that is needed i'm not yeah i'm not saying that i'm not saying that there's no need for newness there's always something no i know you're not saying i'm saying that's the unintended effect of those yeah of that um assembly line if you will hence i pointed out not wanting to 
play into the industry, so to speak, because everything becomes a commodity. Of course, yeah. Why is that a problem, though? I'm saying I'm trying to point out to why that's a problem. It has to do with ending creativity unintentionally, but it's sort of a predictable end game if you take away too much room for newness. It's also a drive. Just the mental damage that's done. Yeah. And it's like Seth Godin would call it. It's like a drive to the bottom. So it's like everybody wants the lowest price. So it's going to be a drive to the bottom and and pricing. It's going to be a drive to the bottom and quality. It's going to be a drive to the bottom in what people's wages are. It's going to be a drive to the bottom in general because everyone wants the lowest priced good or, you know, whatever that thing is. And then what's going to happen is I make widget A, you make widget A. I make it for 10 cents cheaper than you. You go out of business and then somebody else makes it 10 cents cheaper than me. So then what happens is it's just a drive to the bottom as opposed to us saying, you know, this product is 10 cents more because of X. Okay, I get that. Or yeah. or like the whole, like, you know, market domination and all that sort of stuff too. Built into these challenges are things that do get people fired up, understandably so, and wanting to quit the job like that video, whether yeah. intentionally or jokingly yeah. pointed out. There's a greed, there's an issue with inequality there. There's a greed component there. There's an ignorance to... Um, yeah, uh, degradation to the people around you and the larger environment that's built into there. And of course, people want to fight, especially with regard to the inequality and greed part. Yeah, I mean, the, and <laughs> yeah, the massive amount of like, like wage disparity is like insane. And I think a lot of people are basically saying, like, by me doing this job, who am I serving? Right. Like what's what is the point of me doing? Like why am I doing this? Right, there is almost a so th- so th- so reinforcement yeah. of a timeless. Um, <laughs> so it goes back to what we were saying: kings though. and queens kind of game. So then it goes succession back. Succession is so fun to yeah. see and to study, right. but yeah. go on. So then it goes back again to like the whole idea of maybe people are starting to live more intentionally mm-hmm. and think about these sorts of things. I believe as difficult as it is. Yeah, Yeah, I do believe so. Um, And it's always just a question of on any, in any context of what is enough in this way. Well, that's a big question. What is is enough? It is a big question. It's one of the most helpful questions to consistently ask, not just what, but who is enough? How much is enough? Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. I mean, on almost every scale. It's just like enough question mark. Period. Yeah. Yeah. Enough question mark. On every scale, it's a good question to ask. Um, and I can't take full credit for seeing that. I was encouraged to see that by two of my teachers, if you will. And it, they're right. It's yeah. Just keep asking that, but <laughs> not enough. I would cur- clearly not enough people have been asking that question for a long time. Uh, hence, we are still kind of playing with kings and queens kinds of games. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I don't know where we go from here. It's a good question. Well, we don't have to know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I mean, it's it's all interconnected, I guess. I mean, like, I feel like we went on, like, a really long roundabout tangent, but it was all connected and came back to. To which part? The whole thing. 
Yeah, but what did it come back to to you? Um, just kind of like the way we're living, like with intention and yeah, thinking, listening. Yeah, that was kind of like a fun uh, round one. Yeah, good. Well, I do want to talk about Philadelphia Table Company. Okay. More specifically. Yeah, we could talk. Yeah. I mean, to a large extent, I think just sharing, because you're a yeah. sponsor of this wonderful program. Yeah, you're one of our I first. Am. You are, I, was I the think, first. the first sponsor. Yeah. yeah. I I was the first sponsor, Dan. was the first. Yeah. <laughs> you, I saw I saw it before it gave was me, before I, it was anything. I believed I, in the vision. I think that's true. I mean, it is true. I know you're right now. That, yeah, because you actually gave me the courage to even ask Jay. That's right. I'm a supporter supporter of the vision. And it's I about damn it. time that you're on the mic. Yeah. Um, well, I've made enough yeah. stupid jokes about Philadelphia Table Company. Do you want to say something sincere about it, aside from what uh, you've already said, which is yeah. Very, I mean, very so good. it's just a. You know, we're a boutique, small batch furniture company that's trying to do everything we ethically can possible, uh, trying to pay our guys as best we can, um, you know, trying to get to the point where we're offering health insurance and working with sustainable goods. Um, and well, like sustainable, I think is like sort of a, a big word. Because sus- yeah, that's why I brought up my friend because, Jeff. Because nothing is nothing is sustainable in reality. Um, so it's more just like ethical. I think is is the better way of saying it. Um, fortunately for us, like working with lumber and wood is a little bit more sustainable because it's a renewable resource. And by us building tables, we're technically partaking in carbon storage, which is really good because otherwise it would be burned. Um, and decayed or, or something else. So by preserving the wood, it's actually storing carbon, which is pretty cool um, side effect of solid wood furniture. Um, so that's good for the environment. So for our business, it's a little a little easier. Um, and yeah, trying to eliminate, just trying to do the best we can. I mean, with all that said in our whole conversation about like scaling, yes, we are trying to scale, but we're trying to find a reasonable way of doing it to the point that, you know, we're able to maintain our ethics, if you will. And specifically in terms of scale, maybe moving into Bucks County more directly. Yes, yeah. <laughs> more directly moving moving another thing up here and just kind of expanding our footprint. But like with that said, I think that's kind of the, the whole idea would be to make another facility in Bucks County so we're not having to ship as far stuff. So like if we have another warehouse, um, like I mean a grand vision would be to have – little hubs around the country or around the region that provide handmade stuff by guys from the area or women from the area um, and then ship it from that thing. So like the major, the farthest any piece is ever go traveling is maybe like a hundred miles or something. So if you're able to do that, you're then not operating at a one mega warehouse in say Texas that has to ship all over the U S mm-hmm. uh, you're implying you're employing local craftspeople who are part of the community and understand the community. Um, and you're working with woods that are local to the region. So I think at the end of the day, that'd be That's a- That's the biggest factor, I think. I think it would be a, a really fun way to scale a business and basically- I think that's the part that really jumps out in terms of this context of this conversation the most. Where, which, where did the tree fall down or get cut down? Yeah. Well, so for us, um, 
and this, <laughs> I'm not doing this to, to do a pitch, but for most of us, a lot of our wood, most of it's local. I so think you should do a pitch. It's almost all coming from Lancaster. Uh, walnut in particular, there's no such thing as like a walnut um, like farm. So anything that's made with walnut is from a fallen tree. So a lot of the walnut we get is from either Jersey or PA that fell in some big storm or died of old age or something. So there's nobody clear cutting any forests right. anywhere. Uh, and same thing for most of the trees that are cut down. A lot of it is like somebody wanting to, you know, cut a tree down in their yard and it gets cut down and then sent to the mill, gets milled up and ends up coming back to us. Uh, in general, I, I feel like um, the world and America, well, I don't know if the, the whole world, but parts of the world like Costa Rica, where a lot of like the mass foresting deforestation stuff is happening is they're, they're starting to get some really strict regulations. So that's slowly starting to happen. I don't know about some of the other South American countries, but I know I was talking to somebody in Costa Rica and he was saying it was very tough there now. That's good. And especially- I didn't even know it was a thing. I know Brazil is the main- Yeah, and especially uh, US too, that they're pretty ethical with the way they're doing it. Because you have to think about the people who, a lot of the people who are like having any sort of tree farm. I mean, the hardest part is the- construction wood that like houses are made out which is all like soft wood mm-hmm. um that's the stuff that's sort of clear cut and like pulled out but a lot of the wood we're doing is hardwoods which are like more expensive so it's not a huge scale thing just because we keep using these words scale and sustainability i think i think there's actually something really cool to try to un- play with there knowing of course well to rewind well, well just a go. quick rewind um, so inherently by running any sort of business, and this goes back to the whole idea of sustainability and yeah. Yvonne, uh, you know, Yvonne Chenard, who started Patagonia, started this thing called 1% for the planet. And his whole thing is just the mere fact of operating and doing a business, you're going to have a negative impact on the environment. So the way that we kind of can resolve doing that is I like to call doing our penance and doing our penance is we donate, <laughs> we donate 1% to the planet. So that's 1% of gross, so it's not the profit. So before any money comes into our pockets, 1% goes out. Uh, and we work with One Tree Planted, who um, plants trees where they're most needed, where they're cut down. Right. So that's sort of our way of doing penance, if you will. Yes, and it's a great model. And by the way, the word penance really hits on the neurotic piece and the <laughs> compulsive piece that I'm speaking to, but we don't need to go back to that yeah. for now. But um it's a good, and of course, there's no, you know, we've got your hat here, and I have many a piece from you, and I'm going to continue to get more. And everybody, <laughs> it's such, it's an understatement. Do a pitch. I don't, you do as many pitches as you want. That's, but you're also beautifully candid in terms of willing to acknowledge, just like the, uh, I don't remember how to say his name, but the people. Uh, Person or people who started Patagonia? Oh, Yvonne Chenard. It's yeah. the person who started Patagonia. I've got the two books from you in the back. Yeah. They, the candor is good, and it's it's what I wanted to uh, go further with there because it's actually, I think, worthwhile to try to imagine what a... To some extent, he's right, but to some extent, there's possibly another option, not one that you should, so to speak, yeah. be doing because, yeah, it's not be, it's not even feasible it's not feasible for just one of us to do it. It, it requires a collective willingness and, and implicit to that is the point of this awareness first and foremost. 
But let's jump, come to that in a roundabout way. I was in the Peace Corps for a little bit and specifically working on this educational component for, uh, I, I was specifically working with one tribe, if you will, one village more accurately, in Sakali Gunga, and the whole region we were in in Niger is sub-Saharan, basically right where the Sahara, the edge of the Sahara Desert, so to speak. The edge of the Sahara Desert, though, continues to expand, and if pe- if enough of if people aren't making certain changes, it probably will continue. Hence, you brought up deforestation. Um, you went to Central and South America, and even tying in Africa here specifically. The southern parts of the Sahara Desert. What we, I, what I saw was an was a certain futility on even that scale of the Peace Corps to curve this deforestation, um, because they need literally to burn firewood. Yeah. They need to, they need to burn to eat. It's part of the literal day to day, you know. Yeah. one basket at a time reality um that is a pretty big scale i'd say the sahara desert you know i used to yeah. joke what'd you do in the peace corps i attempted to combat the sahara desert from getting bigger because it's like yeah that's that sounds absurd yeah it sounds absurd even for the peace corps i know funny enough even china i don't want to speak too much about other countries that i really don't know how to but i know other countries even china are uh engaged in something relevant there and it um you know it requires on something that scale a global so to speak unified effort effort. but it also requires it even on the scale of a small business kind of the point so even if you of course you want to but how would you go about (laughs) on your own there's so many variables that would have to change for you to do it to have no, so to speak, footprint, no, so to speak, impact. Well, there's Um, no, there is no way. Not on your own is the point. Well, yeah. I mean, it comes not, not in general ever. I mean, it comes down to that whole science thing where it's like, anytime you observe, if by observing something, you're inherently going to change it. So like you can never actually be part of something. It depends what we mean by impact then. Yeah. So a footprint, like, I mean, like a really great example is like, um, we don't want to burn coal for power energy, for energy because it pollutes. So you set up a dam somewhere, hydroelectric seems reasonable, right? But then that messes up fish migration and then you go, okay, let's do wind power. And you go, okay, well that messes up bird migration. So there isn't just by living here, we're going to be messing something up. There's, there's no way unless we live, you know, like the native Americans did where we're actually living within the environment, um, which I don't think is ever going to happen again. Well, I guess you never know, but, um, well, that's really, the question of whether or not we should even salt, cause <laughs> even like salt, like it's great to have so- solar panels, for example, cool. Like you're not paying the electric bill, but to make solar panels is a very taxing is very taxing on the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, all the electric cars, great. I think they're that's cool because you're not burning gasoline, but at the same time, you still need to charge your car. So just that energy, road, just looking at a road. Yeah, I mean, you know what yeah. I mean? just 
The- yeah, but I'm I'm saying like it's like people buy an electric car now because they like, oh, it looks good on me. I'm being environmentally friendly. But you're not looking into the fact that, you know, the car needs to be plugged in. Once the car is plugged in, where's that power coming from? Right? If it's from solar panels, it's great. I mean, you only paid once to have something manufactured, but it's still the same, same thing. So unless you're like walking to work or biking to work, you know, I don't know. That I don't know if there is ever a way for it to be unless you're living off the grid somehow. Well, that's a phrase that's used as if to suggest not that you're using it this way, but I, I think it's often used to suggest that it's it's got to be extreme or it has like you, it's like well in a way impossible. it kind of possible. In a way it kind of has to be extreme though. Cuz if you're looking at even yes, in a way it does. even where you were with the Peace Corps, but I don't like, agree that it has to be so to speak off the grid. But go on, yeah. But like even where you were like in the Peace Corps, like they had to cut down wood to burn wood to live. And those people are essentially living off the grid, technically. Relatively you know? speaking. Yeah, relatively yeah, speaking. Pretty far so out there. Yeah. Just by us living here and just being on this planet, we're going to be having adverse effects. It's just a matter of doing things that replenish the things and like do the penance, if you will. To say, hey, I know I'm making XYZ impact. At least let me try to f- do something for X and Y. This actually, I need to watch the clock for your sake because I know you got to meet your mom. Yeah, yeah, this actually is a, and by no means do we have to have an answer here, but it does come full circle in a way to what we started with, which is, you know, in both, of, in all of the examples you just gave, I heard the built-in perception that there is, that humans are inevitably going to be, are, compulsive (laughs) nature or the particular requirements for us as a species will inevitably do this yet there is also this idea of of this fantasy group or indigenous group whatever that didn't do it or at least did it less or did it differently whatever however we want to word it because we really don't know for sure but it seems probable therein is to me the significant juxtaposition and the point that it it's like no matter how we go about any of these issues, whether it's literal deforestation in any continent um, or a materialism that's clearly compelling some kind of deforestation, because where do the boxes come from? Of course, yeah. things like that. And the inherent recognition of connectivity gets back for to over and over and over and over and over. Huh. Do we need to be living the way we're living? Uh, is this actually a necessary uh, paradigm as as the human animal? And I don't know, but I think there's enough wiggle room <laughs> that we don't have to to this use this. I, I'm almost willing to say for sure there's enough wiggle room as a culture, as a species. Even if we still, quote unquote, have a footprint, it doesn't have to be a quote unquote negative footprint. A net negative, if you will. Yeah, true. I believe. I mean, if that weren't true, then honestly, fuck it. Well, like, we that's should what, just give that's, up. That's what I thought you were going to say. I no, thought you were going to be like, well, huh? Guess we're fucked. No, I because I no, don't no, believe not. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah, not at all. It's just things need to trend another way, and things are starting to trend another way. I mean, even companies as big as Walmart are replacing the, all their light bulbs. They're trying to have a net mm. net zero. Everyone's working towards net zero like energy emissions, right, which is exactly. great. Yeah. And I think 
even despite our stupid ass governments <laughs> not making rules about it, corporations in general just know it's better for business. Because if people aren't around, nobody's going to buy your shit. Like if we kill the planet, Walmart has no one to sell their shit to. So it's like you might as well. It's just good. It's just good business at this point. Yeah. And when you bring up government again on that, with that particular context, it comes back to the tug of war of the economy and, and yes. You know. But then the companies in general anyways are, you know, companies like Nike, Walmart are then going in and doing it anyways. So like, all right, well, you're not going to make any rules on it. We're going to make our own rules. Yeah. And that's kind and of what, those are the ones that win. Yeah. And I, I think that's what people are choosing. I know Shay and I very sh- fitting for Nike. Just Shay and I, yeah, <laughs> like Shay and I shop at Grove, which is like more environmentally friendly, like products. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of a lot more people. Like the fact that a brand like that even exists means that there's enough people using it for it to sustain. So that's good, right? So no, I have, I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful. Exactly, I was I'm absolutely hopeful. And I think you know by choice, though, like Griffin's, to some extent, by Griffin's choice. generation is being more and more educated on it now. Than yeah. our generation ever was, so I really think that plus the emotional intelligence and all their video gaming, they're just going to live in a cyber world anyway. Then <laughs> <laughs> so I wouldn't so be hopeful. <laughs> all the trees will grow over because they'll just be living in a cyber world. And he likes trees. Fortunately, yeah. I know. Did you bring him kidding. any wood, by the way? No, no, I forgot. You jerk! You're the worst. I'm uncle. the worst. I'm the worst. <laughs> All I told him was, "I'm seeing Uncle Paul oh, today, and no, he's going to have nah. all these new, all this new oh, no, wood nah. for you to carve." Well, no, it, oh, it, right. it's okay. But I'll set a reminder. He's definitely I'll ready grab it. for some new sword carving. Um, you you do need to get going, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's yeah. been fun. Yeah, we'll do it again. That's what it says. It's a good start. Next yeah. time it'll be less serious. <laughs> You will be or Truth, we will be? We will it be. Will be. Oh, okay. We will be. We could yeah. be less serious. I think normally we are. We normally we are. <laughs> normally we are. Um, I was just in a pensive mood today. Oh, that's fine. I mean, we didn't know what we were going to... There was no... In- yeah. I, I don't need it to go either way. Um, I think, honestly, though, there's only so far you can go when you're just being a clown with, with any topic, especially on a microphone. Like, I mean, we yeah. could we could just make stupid bro jokes for I don't know how long. That's what Joe's for. It helps. Well, it's on. It's a it's lot easier in general people. when there are three people. Yeah, yeah, three is much more. It's much easier to um, do that dance. But it doesn't have. You're right. It doesn't have to be serious. Um, but you're just not very funny. Uh, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to save all my content for my stand up. Yeah. Actually, did you want to say something about Aziz? I, I was intrigued. The I know you watched it. Um, I watched it. I don't. I don't like remember it enough to okay really speak to it. Well, um, what I had said. I mean, I know he like writing par- partially got canceled. Oh like, well, there's he that partially part, got yeah. canceled, but I can't speak to that. I don't know. It's Again, a- I don't know. I haven't read. It. I don't know enough about it. I can't say it either way. No, I don't. I don't ever even like to use that phrase. Um. He, I think he's learned a lot. He he had a grow, a uh, major learning experience, as many have. But not that I was more what I mentioned about thinking of him as having a, a more like serious tone. Um, yeah. 
It's kind of talking about the same stuff is what I was going to bring up. Yeah, I, th- I think it's the, more of the same basic points. I mean, you, there's only so much the you world can talk is, about this stuff with jokes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the wor- yeah, the world is talking about all of this, which is, I think, why we're talking about it. Yeah. Because we're surrounded by it now, which yeah, is good. Every now and then mention Ice Cube's colon, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was actually the part that made me laugh the most. Do you remember that part? I don't even, that bit? No. I, di- I mean, I didn't even really laugh at it that much. I laughed at that one. That was funny to me. You're Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. How Ice Cube wouldn't get yeah. the vaccine, but he was willing to get, get a it, colonic, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Or no, uh, his have his colon, colonoscopy. Colonoscopy. Thank you. Yeah. Why did I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, it's not even true, but it was a funny bit. Yeah. Um. All right. So you got to go meet mom? Yeah. Where are you going? Genevieve's. Lucky you. Yeah. Oh wow! And a nice night today. You could nice probably day. even sit outside. Maybe, yeah. Got, well, no one like fifty eight today. No one, our boy over there, he might get you. Maybe. I don't remember Tell his him name hi though. For me, Joey. Joey. All right. Tell Joey hi for me. Um. All right. See you soon. Peace. Bye. Bye. <laughs> nice. There you have it, Paul Mental, the face of Philadelphia Table Company. The brains behind the fine craftsman, the fine crafts work. <clears throat> and he is quite the brain. I hope you get to meet him someday. He's been coming to some of these Koru events, and maybe that'll continue. Right, Paul? Here's hoping. For now, that's it. That's all we have to say about that. The next episode will be... Seems like a thing to start sharing with uh, unless something changes event wise and it makes sense to release somebody or to share a different episode first. The next one's going to be very goofy and also very earnest and sincere. But I do think hopefully, Adi, you would agree that we are prone to the... uh, the goofy side. Um, and that, of course, means Adi is the next guest, the yoga gnome herself. It's a fun episode. Looking forward to you hearing it. For now, be well. Thank you for listening. And I haven't said this recently in any outros. Please comment, share your thoughts, your questions, especially your questions. And if you have criticism, share those too, but especially your questions. These conversations are, if you haven't noticed, I and we put a lot into them. It is not just some fun thing to do on the mics. It is very specifically geared towards education and catalyzing conversations that matter. And your questions matter. And that is part of keeping the conversation moving forward to say the least and the conversation does matter i guarantee it so many levels i'll leave you with that thank you be well